0: Hello and welcome to The Emergent Ecosystem, a Zimbabwean podcast about ecosystems, how they support our livelihoods, and how we can steward them to create a better future. I'm your host, Scott Richardson, and I'm really excited to bring you this episode because you'll discover why this podcast is called The Emergent Ecosystem. If you'd like to receive each episode in your inbox, email theemergentecosystem at gmail.com and request being added to the mailing list. Alternatively, you can find The Emergent Ecosystem on most podcast apps. The ecosystems that we rely on are complex systems, supporting diverse groups of people with different needs such as food, water, fuel, fiber. So how do we build a resilient, sustainable ecosystem? This week, we start a two-part series on sustainable leadership in complex systems. My guest for the next two weeks is Jean-Paul Baron-Bonagy, a sustainable leadership consultant. He has a master's degree in strategic leadership towards sustainability from Blair-Clear Institute of Technology in Sweden. This week, we will discuss Jean-Paul's journey, the concept of sustainable leadership and complex systems. And next week, we'll focus more on practical examples and applications. With nothing further ado, Jean-Paul, welcome to the Emergent Ecosystem. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, so you are a sustainability and
1: leadership consultant so what exactly is that so the sustainability side is like how do we create systems maintain systems that can continue for generations to come without depleting and destroying the possibilities for future generations to meet their needs as well as the other creatures and beings that inhabit you know the planet that's the main aspect of sustainability um it looks Especially at the main system being the ecological system and then the social systems, that's an embedded system. And then within that, you know, the economic system, which should actually be the smaller system. Okay. And then leadership? So then the leadership side, it's linked to how we can create a sustainable future, basically. So what are the tools? Like how do we need to organize and how do we need to work together, collaborate and change our mindsets from one where we look at only our own little life and existence to one that looks at, you know, our environment around us, meaning the people, the physical environment and all that, that kind of sustains us and that we're part of. So the leadership side, you could say, it's is like, how do you get people to start taking personal responsibility on the one hand, but also how do you create dialogue amongst people to start really understanding or unpacking what the issues are and how to tackle them and and, and move forward together. So that's a very simple explanation. (laughs) Sure, thanks. So it's
0: got a lot to do with people working together and creating a future
1: that is beneficial to everyone. Basically, yes. Yeah. Okay. So it can be used... In different contexts, but this is the basic premise, yes. Perfect. So how did you actually get into this field? Well, it was a very long journey, actually. Okay. And it's a journey that started when I was at university. I was in Cape Town. I studied there. All right. I studied electrical, electronic engineering. Oh, cool. So it's quite a big journey between there and where I am now. But you can say that in those years when I was studying at UCT in Cape Town, I started asking questions about, like, you know, what I was discovering from my studies and what I was discovering outside of the classroom about the world and understanding the world around me and what some of the big issues and challenges were. So, this was a time also where it was straight after the end of apartheid in South Africa. Yes. So, there was a lot of conversations. I was uh, involved in conversations with all sorts of people of all, from all sorts of backgrounds, um, yes, yeah. South African and other you know, colleagues and friends. And that sparked off just more and more questioning and thinking of like, well, where does technology play a part in creating a different world? Is it really fulfilling its promises? And you know, what about the other things? Because I started learning from the social sciences, anthropology, international politics, history, Southern African history, economics, and then I started doing my own reading into some nuclear physics, all sorts of different topics, but especially the one around some nuclear physics, quantum physics, and then the understanding of the world started really opening up a space that engineering and just like developing technology for the sake of it or to benefit, you know, companies to make more profit just didn't make yeah. sense anymore. And it's a journey that continued from that time onwards. Wow, so that was quite an all-round experience. Definitely, yeah. Very much so. (laughs) I think most of the learning was more outside the classroom than inside the classroom, from people. And and what I learned the most, actually, was from conversations, from having conversations about different people's understanding of the world and mindsets and how they see the world. Critically thinking about... Where I'd come from, growing up in Zimbabwe and a fairly sheltered environment, and starting to understand more how society and the world worked. So it was a, it was a big sure. learning journey. Sure. And for UCT, what came next? A big surprise. I ended up going to South America. I actually started teaching English. All right, yeah. <laughs> Which is quite a big tangent, like a complete change. I never really got into engineering because I didn't like the whole thing of working with computers the whole time. Just life took me to South America. There I discovered more about the power of conversations, of really just looking at, at topics that were, which, which were just taken for granted and discussing those in different cultures with different people. So yeah, I was always Very passionate about discovering and being involved in what was happening in the world in terms of the social, the environmental sides of society. So from South America, after having traveled through most of the countries in South America, you know, discovering most incredible places and also teaching myself Spanish. So, you know, I speak Spanish now. Also, it opens the vista to a whole different world because it's also a language as how we see the world. It's a construct of reality. My mother tongue is French, but also English and also Spanish. So that helped to bring also multiple perspectives of of things. So after that, I moved to different countries. So amongst them, I was in the UK. I ended up doing some volunteer work there, as well as teaching and doing other work. That also brought me really in, in contact with the big environmental issues that were happening in the UK as well as outside you know, in Europe and the rest of the world. And then since then you've studied in Sweden. So there were several things that happened before that. I went to India and I went to work in a project which was very interesting. It was all about like local living, learning from this culture that had been living sustainably for hundreds of years in Ladakh. It's little Tibet. It's a kingdom inside India. And they'd been living very much in, in tune and in balance with nature um, and happily for a long time until the advent of what's called development and, and globalization, you know, yes. and the market forces. And that's something I've been studying in my own time. I'm understanding actually what is development and progress? Are these forces necessarily for good? What about local knowledge? What about the wisdom that, that cultures have had in terms of understanding the environment and medicinal plants, coexistence, all these things? So it was actually just a farm state to live with a family, but really kind of learn sustainable life where there's a lot of contentment and well being to one where suddenly there was a sense of deficiency and dissatisfaction destruction of self-worth a sense of scarcity as opposed to abundance even though now there were actually more goods coming in and it led me to 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 do a first master's which was in human ecology and that was in scotland so it was like an interdisciplinary field yeah that looked at humans inside the living ecology so what does that mean for our economic systems for business for our psychology for our food and agriculture system it connected all these things together. I started a master's, I didn't complete it, and I, but eventually I did a master's in Sweden. Okay. Which I completed, which is in strategic leadership towards sustainability. You can say that's the last big undertaking in terms of studies that I did. That I did. Yeah, what kind of work are you doing now? The main focus of my work linked to sustainability and leadership is around participatory processes. Okay. Participatory processes mean like, how do you design a process that has the maximum space for people to participate actively within it? In other words, it's the kind of opposite of a delegated top-down process where there's the determined or defined leaders and people just play a particular role. Here, it's much more open we work much more with open questions as opposed to like going to achieve a target, which was pre-defined. It's more at looking at what is the possibility here? What is happening here maybe in this particular context? So we use open questions. We use a high level of engagement of everyone basically um, so that people can show up and really bring their understanding, their knowledge, their experience, into the mix
0: yeah okay brilliant can, can you give like an example of a project perhaps that you've done or an
1: ongoing i've got a few examples in mind let me think of maybe yeah a good one would be like uh, one that i did in wangi uh so, so just to give a little bit of context about wangi people see uh, a particular context in a different way according to who they are within that landscape okay let's say in the wangi landscape you have the wangi national park You've got you know, parks, you know, which is a government entity. You have private lodges, which are private businesses. You have forestry department, which is, again, a wing of government. And then you have different local communities that live all around the parks and some even inside. So there's a lot of interactions within that landscape. Now, there's a lot of challenges also. And different people will name different challenges. Depends who you are in the landscape or even outside the landscape. Poaching, obviously. Or yeah. animals getting sold to zoos elsewhere. That might be some of the issues. But water is also obviously a very big one. It's one of the driest parts of Zimbabwe. Deforestation. And also desertification is a huge issue. And they're connected to desertification, deforestation, and then water. Yes. It's also linked to livelihoods. So a lot of the livelihoods for the communities that that live around the parks is linked to growing crops. And that's one of the main forms of of sustenance. So there there are different issues that are happening there. And these are just some of them that come to mind. Obviously, there'll be many others, you know. So this particular interaction was like, it was a kind of cross-sector dialogue around getting different actors inside the Wangi landscape to work together. And not just on one person's particular pet issue, but understanding that okay, there are different groups and different stakeholders, so to speak, that have different interests. How can we connect the greater well-being and like a greater vision of like, okay, we all inhabit the space? How can we envision a bountiful future which is also based on being in contact with with the the carrying capacity of the land and our ecological footprint on it and how we work together in achieving this kind of future so that we are actually working together and not fighting against each other over our different ways of seeing it and our different needs within it so you're
0: basically looking at the needs of all the different people in the community and then trying to work a way that people can collaborate to create a future that will be beneficial to everyone.
1: Exactly. So obviously it's, it's, it's complex. And, and I think this is one of the key things, is that the ecological systems that we're connected to are complex systems. And up till now, we've been using very reductionistic, linear, causal ways of tackling problems. What exactly do you mean by that? What I mean by this is that there's this kind of thinking which is this technical thinking, like okay we have a problem here with this but we separate that particular problem or that thing from its context and then we want to work purely on that So we only look at that, for example, it's trees. If we're only looking at trees and, okay, well, growing of trees and, like, maintaining forests, well, trees are part of an ecosystem where there's many other things which are linked to them, you know. They are things under the the ground. Also, there's a whole economic system around it as well, around wood and all the rest. So so I'm referring to, like, this kind of silo thinking where you you want to look at one thing but try to reduce it to its constituent parts and thinking that once you're at the constituent parts, and that's where Newton's thinking has dominated our way of seeing things, And Newton and Darwin really, and and Descartes, that's why I say it's Cartesian because it's like trying to reduce things to an atomistic level where it's just like, okay, well we get rid of all the relationships and the connections with other things and we just want to look at different parts and then see uh, how does this part interact with this part but in a very simplified way and that works for building a house for example or making a motor vehicle what do we need you know like to make the wheels to make to to improve its efficiency now the the challenges that we face in the world right now are of a complex nature when we've got an you could say, an exponential decline in fish stocks, an exponential increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, decrease in potable water, decrease of forests, decrease of species, increase inequality. You've got many different challenges which are going in an exponential way. And if we use only linear thinking where we just want to tackle one thing, but we don't look at how that thing is connected to many other things, then we can maybe only just get a kind of linear growth of solutions, whilst the problems which are interconnected are growing exponentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense.
0: Okay. So, ecosystems are complex systems, mm-hmm. and the world that we live in and the problems that we have are part of these complex systems. Mm-hmm. So, how does your approach differ from a simple system?
1: Let's just look at different systems, very briefly. There's a simple system which is linear. You apply force onto something and it makes it move, for example. Right? That's just the simple linear thinking, that's where it comes from. And that's what has influenced all the disciplines that we have at university, all our sciences, has been based on Newton's three laws of motion. So, that's a simple system. Then you get a complicated system. A complicated system is where you're trying to build an aeroplane, for example, or a computer, where, you know, there are many different parts that fit together. You need to find the, the ways that they need to fit together in order to create a particular outcome, okay. you know, to get a plane to fly. There's all sorts of things to do with aerodynamics, weight, capacity, fuel efficiency, the hermetic design of the planets there's so many different things yeah that's a complicated system it's much more difficult than a linear system but you know that's where you get experts they apply technical knowledge they have experts in a particular field they can then bring that knowledge together to create something which is called complicated then we have complex systems now, our complex systems tend to be much more of our natural systems, like our yes. ecosystems, our social systems, our planetary systems, the climate system, for example. Many, many different things come into play inside a complex system. And you can't predict it. That's the difference. A simple system can be predicted. A complicated system can be predicted. A complex system has a property called emergence. So emergence is about the whole is more than the sum of its parts. Yes. Whilst they complicated or simple systems, that doesn't apply.
0: So that's why my podcast is called The Emergent Ecosystem. I love it. Absolutely, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm really glad that you've explained that. So that, that's the thing. The, there's this emergence, basically, that you could never predict. So when you have a, an open conversation like we're having now with someone, but which is outside of, of a bounded, like you're trying to just get outcomes. When you're trying to do outcomes, when people do business or even government, a bureaucratic system is also very fixed, like, you know, fixed outcomes. There isn't room for new ideas or new thinking to emerge. When you can get many people together and then you bring all the different understandings of reality, experience, knowledge, all the rest together, then you can get something unpredictable which is basically emergent which yes. will be at a higher level of order than if it was just like stuck to like okay this is what we need to achieve and you're only allowed to think this way and you're only allowed to go in this direction and then sorry the last system maybe just for the sake of Competing. completing it yeah is um it's called it's chaos chaos is is collapse basically when things collapse It happens in complex systems where it's a mixture between complex systems as well as like, you know, linear systems, you could say. But it's basically the system goes off the edge where it becomes completely unpredictable. You know, a, a complex system has what is called feedback loops, positive feedback, which is what creates emergent or evolution and negative feedback, which is sustaining things in the same way. Whether it's genetic traits or things, homeostasis in the earth systems, or whether it's balance between different creatures in nature, so you have a dynamic equilibrium which is kept by negative feedback, but you get positive feedback which is linked to emergence yes. when you get new traits emerging.
0: Okay, so you have new things, and then you've also got stability exactly working together in a complex
1: system. Yeah, but in chaos, you don't have that anymore. It becomes completely unpredictable. That's what people. do are talking about with climatic systems. It's been happening for decades that we've been pumping more and more and more CO2 inside the atmosphere, as well as many other things that diminish the absorption of it, like cutting down a forest, a simple one. But because there are so many different complex feedback loops inside the climatic systems, we cannot predict what will happen and climate scientists say that you know we're reaching the point where there's it's called a tipping point where you have no idea it could temperatures could go up by 5 or 7 degrees as opposed to 1 or 2 degrees and many other things could happen as a result so that's that's called chaos so how do we bring this understanding that we've just talked about of yes. like complex systems and emergence and all the rest how do you bring that to a group of diverse actors who all have their own self-interest
0: we'll save the answer to that question for next week my guest today was Jean-Paul Baron Bonagie sustainable leadership consultant and this is the first of a two-part series on sustainable leadership and systems thinking I hope you've learned a lot from this episode if you'd like to get the Emergent Ecosystem in your inbox email ecosystem at gmail.com and request to be added to the mailing list. Alternatively, the Emergent ecosystem is on most podcast apps where you can tune in. Thanks very much to Kevin Hansen for the music, and thank you for listening. Until next week, cheers.